Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 306th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Wendy! Wendy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would, I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services, and we want to welcome you to the first live edition of the show. If you followed us during football season, the Heel Tough Blog Podcast was on video, and well, we had to bring the big show to video as well. And um, we're not going to do every edition on video because the way we do this thing where we preview and recap every game individually, not enough time. So we'll, we'll be live with you on the weekends. Um, and, of course, once we get into the ACC tournament and that NCAA tournament, we'll be here with you live as often and as much as possible. And, we're excited that we got a, a fun first win to talk about um, as, as we are live here talking about Carolina's win over number 16, Clemson. Um, and that's our agenda tonight. We'll do what we always do. We'll take a look at the box score. You'll hear from head coach Hubert Davis. Um, we'll give our key, you know, we'll give our, our takeaways, the, our stat of the game, and we got two big discussion topics. But uh, let's go ahead and, and dive right into this thing. Carolina on the road for the second time this week. They pick up their second road win of the season, um, their second quad one win uh, this week alone. And now Carolina all of a sudden is four and two against ranked opponents. Um, you know, the, a number that, you know, Carolina has struggled in, in in recent memory. And today it was a game that went unlike any that we thought it was going to. We, we previewed the game. We saw two high-scoring teams. We thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. 
and instead we got a defensive slugfest, the way that Clemson used to play under Brad Brownell, if you will. And, and Carolina was more than up to the task, holding the Tigers to a season low in points at 55, just 21 points in the second half. Um, did, did, did Carolina allow as they earned a 65-55 win in what we could argue a little bit later in the show has been their most impressive win so far this season. Yeah, I mean, it's it was definitely unexpected. I did not think that was coming. I thought this was going to be a game. I mean, I said when we were previewing it, I thought this was a game that could potentially be an old-school ACC type of game. You could see this game getting into the 90s, and that was not at all what this game was. It was a game that turned ugly, um, was, was very physical, and, you know, Carolina, when it came down to it, uh, was just the more physical team. And, and again, this is now the second straight game where we've seen it from Carolina. But it, it's been building as the year has gone along. Carolina has gotten more and more physical as the year has gone on. And I don't know what was said to this team before the Oklahoma game. I have no idea. But whatever was, it is connected with these kids because the way that they have played defensively since that game has frankly just been unbelievable. And I thought they were absolutely outstanding again today defensively. I think it's probably the biggest reason that Carolina won this game. Um, and they get, you know, the the late scoring stretch where they outscore Clemson 7 nothing in the final five minutes of the game. And that's ultimately the difference. So you're, you're seeing areas that I think some people were concerned about, uh, def- the, the, the team defensively, the, the rebounding, and the way that they closed games, because we saw, you know, they lost the game uh, down the stretch to Kentucky. You're seeing Carolina get better in those spots. And this was their toughest game that they've played so far, considering that they had to go on the road to Little John to get the win. It was a hyped up environment. And uh, I, I thought they responded incredibly well to what was some adversity throughout this game uh, multiple times. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a much better start on the road this game. Didn't start with a six-and-a-half-minute scoring drought. Um, you know, and the thing is, is that the defense traveled from Tuesday night. The rebounding traveled from Tuesday night, and that was good because the offense um, wasn't as effective as we wanted it to be, and I think as we expected it to be, just looking at the way that Clemson has played this year where they haven't been as dominant defensively as they have been in years past. We knew they were going to want to bounce back after giving up 95 in the loss to Miami the other night, 60 alone in that second half. Um, they made Carolina earn it, but Carolina proved to be the tougher team um, throughout. This was the 20th time that these two teams have ranked. Uh, I've met when both teams are ranked, and Carolina is now 17-3 and three in those matchups. So even when Clemson has a good team, Carolina has been able to find a way to beat them. Um, and they're now 31 and 15 all time in Little John. And that's a pretty impressive number because Little John is, you know, like the Tucker Center, like some of the other places in the ACC, it's not the easiest venue to go on the road and win. Um, and it, it's been a place that in my lifetime has given Carolina tons of trouble. Um, but that wasn't the case today. Carolina proved to be the better team and they emerged victorious. Let's take a look at the box score here. Um, And it's a pretty one for Carolina because it's a winning box score. 
They won this game despite shooting 42% from the field. They were 25 of 60. But they held Clemson at 36% shooting, 21 of 58. You chalk it up from the three-point line. They, Carolina was 8 of 23. It wasn't, you know, the best shooting night we've seen. But five different guys made three-pointers. But the three-point defense, Clemson was 1 of 18 from three. This is a team that entered today shooting 39% from the field from behind the three-point line. They had six dudes shooting 38% or better. And Carolina guarded um, them as well as they have at any point in this year. And you go back to Tuesday night, Pitt was 5 of 29. And now today Clemson's 1 of 18. So in the two ACC road games, Carolina's three-point defense is a lot, is 6 of 47. It's 13%. That's that's, that's pretty good if you ask me. Um, free throw line was advantage Clemson. They were 12 of 16. Carolina just 7 of 12. Um, they left too many there at the line, and they didn't get to the line nowhere near enough. Ten Tar Heel turnovers led to nine Clemson points. Five Clemson turnovers led to just six Carolina points. But here was the other big difference. Carolina won the rebounding margin 44 to 33. 30 to 24 on the defensive glass and 14 to 9 on the offensive glass. Carolina's bench outscored Clemson's bench 14 to 2. Points in the paint went the favor of Clemson 32 to 26. Neither team had a fast break point. Carolina with 14 assists on their 25 made baskets and with 6 assists on their 21 made baskets. We had 7 ties, 11 lead changes. Carolina led for 24 minutes and 48 seconds. Their largest margin of victory, uh, or the largest lead in the game, was the final margin of victory, which was a 10-point lead. Let's now transition to the quote of the game. And Hubert Davis was asked about the defensive performance from his team today. Hubert, uh, what did you like about the way the uh, team defended against PJ Hall? He obviously wasn't quite as efficient from the field. What did you like about the defense? Well, I, I like how. Um, what we did defensively as a team. From the first half, uh, we defended and, and then we kept fouling. We put them on the free throw line 15 times in the first half, and I, I felt like in, in the first half, that was their number one and most efficient way to score. Second half, we did much the same things, uh, but we um, we defended without fouling. And that put us, out. with the exception of the first two possessions, that put us in a position to box out and rebound. I thought we did a fantastic job. It was the third straight game. You know, I've talked about defense and rebound. Defense and rebound is the third straight game that, that we've played really good defense and we have out-rebounded our opponent. You know, when, when, when you look at it, Carolina had Blake Henson on Tuesday night, held him to 11 points, 4 of 16 shooting. He was 1 of 10 from 3. P.J. Hall entered today, the second leading scorer in the conference behind R.J. Davis, and he scored 10 points but was 4 of 13 shooting, 0 of 5 from the 3, and just never got into the rhythm of the game. We're not used to seeing this as Carolina basketball fans. Like, usually when you're going up against a really good team that's got a really good player, that really good player has a has, has a good game and a big game and puts their team in a position to win. Wasn't the case today. P.J. Hall wasn't the best player on the floor for Clemson. Joe Girard III wasn't the best player on the floor for Clemson. Ian Shefflin, 
the guy you talked about in the preview was maybe the X factor, was Clemson's best player, had a double-double, but it wasn't enough. And you mentioned, you know, we don't know what got into this team after the Kentucky game defensively. But it's, I mean, it's been night and day. And, and there's just a there's just a different effort, commitment, and focus on that end of the court. And it's propelled Carolina to back-to-back wins on the road this week that in years past, if Carolina would have played as poor as they played offensively in the game against Pitt, in the game against Clemson today, they don't win. But because they've committed to that end of the floor, Carolina comes out not only with a win, but somewhat dominant defensively as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's truly amazing because you're right. That's not typically the way, especially against ranked opponents that you've seen Carolina play. And yet in this game, the, the, I mean, this team, they looked apart um, from the word go defensively. They were bought in. Um, I do think, you know, with P.J. Hall, one of the keys that, that Carolina used was getting him in foul trouble. Um, it was something that, you know, sort of popped into my mind, but – you know, it's, it's so difficult to get, especially a guy like Hall, who is sm- such a smart player. You know, it popped into my head as something that Carolina should uh, do more of in this game. Um, and I, I think I may have mentioned it a little bit when we were talking about limiting him. But that was really what I think sort of changed his effect on the game. Joe Girard, it was just a great job by the guards, who, by the way, this is now back-to-back games that your guard play – on the defensive end of the floor has been outstanding. They have had great great guards that they've faced, guys that if they weren't careful, they'd be able to drive right by them to the lane. And yet somehow Carolina has been able to defend it at a very, very high level. So you're seeing guys that at the start of the year were not really guarding at a high level that are getting the job done now. Um, Elliot Cadeau is coming to his own as a defender. Uh, Cormac Ryan, I thought he had a a great day all around today. So, I I mean, there's so many guys that have just bought in. It's just a different mindset right now for Carolina on that end of the floor. And it's allowed Carolina to win games. And that's what's so exciting about this team is there's so many different ways this team is winning games. Early in the year, if you would have told me that this team was winning games defensively, I would have told you, what are you drinking? Like, there's no way this team is winning games on the defensive end of the floor because they couldn't guard a possession in the half court. Um, I mean, against Florida State, the only reason they got back into the game was because they literally had to go full court press. They didn't use the full court press once in this game. And it was still arguably their most dominant performance on the defensive end of the floor uh, against an offense that Mm. came in as one of the best in the entire country. And the three-point defense – is just amazing. Part of it is that shots have not fallen. I thought Clemson, I thought the other night against Pittsburgh, it was really because of everything that Carolina did defensively. I thought Pittsburgh had really good looks, but Carolina was just in their face. Today, I thought there were some good looks for Clemson that Clemson simply missed. But for the most part, Carolina was there again. And you talk about, again, things that have just you know been a part of Carolina basketball for a while under Roy Williams – Really, it, it was the lack of being able to take away these big three-point games. You, we, it, one of the running jokes was always you would have some random dude that would go off from three. Um, and, you know, look, they didn't have Jack Clark, Alex Hemingway. That's, that's big because those guys could have helped them. But 
they still are one of the better three-point shooting teams in the entire country. And Carolina still found a way to shut this team completely down. And it was really the biggest difference because everything then had to go inside. And once again, you saw it. Carolina, I, I mean, the way they protect the rim at times is amazing. And you saw it again today from them. Armando Baycott, really great protecting the rim. Um, it's just, you know, it looks like a team that has learned from what happened earlier in the season. And now they're a team that, yeah, if they need to win games by outscoring opponents, you feel pretty confident that they'll be able to do that. But if they're a team that needs to win games by just defending their tails off and making it ugly, Carolina can win that game too. And that's the reason why when we talk about a team competing to win the ACC regular season title and being one of the favorites, we put Carolina right at the top of that list right now. Well, what you're seeing and what you've seen is the benefit of playing the schedule that Carolina played because you have to figure out how to win games in different ways. Um, and, you know, that's that's what they did this week was they found different ways to win games. I mean, how many times are you going to win an ACC road game when you don't score for the first six and a half minutes of the game? Not very often. How many times are you going to win the game when you go 7 of 12 from the foul line on the road in the ACC? Not very often. But when you find other ways to win when you're not playing your best, it just breeds confidence. And this is as easily um, the most confident we've seen Carolina in the regular season under Hubert Davis. And this, ha- and, you know, we've you know, all, what, what we do in you know, sports media and in the podcast world, we we compare, we compare, and we compare. And you know, beginning of the year, we were looking maybe at 2012 with the way that Carolina had four guys in double figure scoring, and they were scoring. It felt like 85, 90, and night. This team is really molding into that 2019 team that, yes, was fun and was explosive. But they also won games ugly and won games when they didn't put the ball in the basket um, at at the level that we're used to seeing it. And so you're seeing this team really for the first time under Huber Davis grow, develop, and mature. You're seeing that natural progression from November to December, now December into January. Um, And it's why, you know, you got people like Josh Graham saying that this is the best team in the conference and a bona fide top five team in the country right now. And we'll talk about those storylines in just a little bit later. But, you know, even even two guys that picked Carolina to – to make the final four, I can't sit here and say that I thought we'd be talking about that in January. Like, you, you know, because the tournament is about matchups and, you know, guard play. And that's why I could put Carolina there. I don't know if I thought deep down they would be a top five team in the country in January, but I think they are. Um, I watch as much college basketball as anybody, and they're playing as good as anybody right now is in the country. Um, and even though they lost to UConn and Kentucky, they competed in those games something they didn't do the previous two years in the non-conference portion of the season. Stat of the game, um, if you're a longtime listener to the show, um, you know, you're probably thinking that this old boy is going rebounding because it's the most important aspect of the game. I went three-point shooting. Because Carolina was 8 of 23, um, and that's 35%. Two timely threes from Paxson Wojcik 
in Seth Tremble in the second half to keep Carolina in control of the game. But you mentioned it, the three-point defense holding Clemson to one of 18 shooting, um, 6%. And this is a good three-point shooting team. Like, they, they, they shot 39% as a team entering today's game. Six guys that shoot at 38% or better. And we talked about it early in the year when Hubert Davis made it known that they defended the three, they were going to defend the three differently and the way they were going to defend ball screens differently. And the first month, month and a half, those results left a lot to be desired. But you saw it was they hadn't been fine tuned. You didn't have film to go back and critique it. And if you look at what Carolina's doing now from a defensive standpoint, and I'm not going to get too, too inside basketball and get X's and O's. If you look at the way they're overlaying ball screens and the way they're fighting over them, they're, they're, they're in the shooter's hip pockets and the length that Cormac Ryan provides. These guys can't catch and shoot the ball anymore because they've got a 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", wing right there in their hip pocket because his effort is off the charts. He defended three different actions in one possession today. Like that effort is just contagious, it's infectious, and it's permeating throughout this whole team. But to me, that was the difference in the game because it felt like if Clemson would ever get from a rhythm from behind the three-point line, the game was there for them to take. And when they made the first one, I think we all sat there and hold, held our breath and said, oh, no, is this game going to get out of hand? It didn't happen, and Carolina would go on to win the game. So let's move now to takeaways. Um, we'll, we'll stick with the, the, the defense here. Um, you know, Jones Angel sent out a stat. Carolina's last four opponents are shooting a combined 35% from the field, 24% from three, and are averaging just 60.3 points per game. You, the first thing you got to do is, is credit the players because they're the ones that are executing – the game plan. They're the ones that have bought in on that end of the court. But you have to give a ton of credit to Hubert Davis and his coaching staff because when we got done recapping UConn and Kentucky, we sat here and said, guys, we're going to have to win game score in 90. Like, I, because I, then I, and I just said, I don't think it was, I never said it was an effort issue. I thought it was just a roster construction issue. I'm like, they're just not built to defend. Like, they don't got enough size. They don't got enough length. They don't know if they had enough depth. And we'll see how long this this lasts. But four games is long enough for it to be a trend. And you held Oklahoma to a season low. You held Pittsburgh to a season low. You held Clemson to a season low. Like, you're you're holding really good teams and really good offenses to season lows and and shooting and and points or whatever – and as you mentioned it, they didn't even press. Like the one thing that we know that they can do or that they're really, really good at, they didn't even need it today. And and so um, just really got to just applaud the coaching and the players because that that that, that turnaround midseason, I'll, I'll speak for myself, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, well, I mean, remember, you go back to the week before the Kentucky game and Hubert Davis and, and his staff, I mean, they, they said that, you know, they were putting in a new scheme defensively 
And we thought, okay, let's see what it looks like. Well, that game wasn't the greatest representation of it, I don't think. But really since then, you've started to see that it's making a difference. It took time for Carolina to adjust to it. But you're just seeing a team that's that's more bought in. You said that it's a trend. And, yeah, at this point, I, I mean, there's no denying that this team has gotten better on the defensive end of the floor. And whether you want to say that it's just effort, that Carolina – out of the gate to start the season. And and my thing is, is I don't think that they were lacking effort there. Clearly, you have guys that were giving effort on that end of the floor. But I think part of it is that some of the younger guys have grown into their role. And the other uh, you know, part of it is that you've seen some of the veterans. I think a lot of the focus was let's get into a rhythm on the offensive end because this was a team that last year struggled so mightily on that end of the floor that you needed these guys to come in and play well offensively. And, I, I you know, I think to a certain extent, defense kind of got left on the back burner. We're going to sacrifice defense for offense. And now I think people realize – that you know these guys on this team realize, and the message is coming from Hubert Davis, that your defense can lead to your offense. If you don't defend, then you're not going to have success on the offensive end of the floor. And now you've seen where it's really paid off because you've gotten into conference play. You faced you know uh, one of the better defensive teams in the conference in Pittsburgh. Clemson wasn't a great defensive team, but they defended really well today, and you got into a bit of a battle. Normally in the past, Carolina would pretty much panic, and this game would have been over. Um, but, you know, you saw it in this game. Carolina responded and said, look, if you want to play this this sort of slugfest on the defensive end of the floor, we can match you. And they did it again in this one to only allow them to knock down one three, as you were saying, for the stat of the game uh, is amazing. And, you know, it was a big part of the reason why Carolina ultimately won this game. And the other thing that was different in the second half was how well they defended without fouling. And once again, I mean, the officiating, it's always been pretty rough in the ACC. I think the officiating so far that we've seen this year and some of the games that Carolina has been in has just been terrible. I thought today it was wi- just wildly inconsistent throughout the day. And I-, I thought that Carolina did a really good job of adjusting in the second half, picking their moments where they wanted to be aggressive so that they didn't get certain guys into foul trouble. And then ultimately, you know, at the end of the game, I mean, Darmando Baycott picks up a foul about two minutes to go, he stays in the game for Carolina in uh, all the way to the end while P.J. Hall fi- fouls out, which was ultimately huge for Carolina. So, I mean, they, they did everything that they had to do in this game. And then, yeah, down the stretch of the game, you know, P.J. Hall has a couple of chances inside. Great defense on him. I mean, the defensive possessions in the final five minutes of this game were some of the best that you're going to see from Carolina this season and probably even in, in the next few seasons, it was just a lockdown effort defensively. And for it to come in this game against that good of an offensive team is what really impresses me the most. Yeah, I mean, it was a championship effort defensively uh, for 40 minutes and especially the last five minutes of the game holding Clemson scoreless. Uh, we'll touch on the rebounding here. Um, you know, you get a big rebounding game from Armando Baycott, who had 16 rebounds. 
But, you know, we've talked about it needing to be a team rebounding game and other guys got to impact the game in that area. How about Jalen Withers, six rebounds in 11 minutes? Seth Trimble, four rebounds as well off the bench. Harrison Ingram with four and R.J. Davis with four. And I think that's that's something that we weren't seeing the first month, month and a half of the season. Uh, first off, Carolina has recommitted itself to sending four to five guys to the offense or the defensive glass. Like I think it's something that Huber Davis is, you know, he didn't want to admit that they weren't pushing the issue as much earlier on in the non-conference season, but, you know, realize we got to get more guys to the, to, to, to the backboard. But you're getting other guys impacting the game. Um, and Jalen Withers, a guy that, you know, his offense wasn't there today, struggled maybe individually guarding his man, but six rebounds and 11 minutes off the bench, that's making an impact. And, um, you know, we, we said going in, this was we, a good test for Carolina to see – where they were as a rebounding team, you know, was the other night a one-off where you out-rebounded Pittsburgh 51-41, to and that's the best rebounding team in the league. You matched up better with Clemson. Um, you, you were about as even statistically entering as you could be, and yet you win the rebounding margin once again, this time by 11. The third straight uh, game, Carolina has out-rebounded their opponent by double digits. This now leads us to – the best player on the court for either team today. And that was Armando Baycott. Um, he was sensational this afternoon, a 14-point, 16-rebound double-double in 34 minutes. He was 6 of 11 from the foul line. And, you know, I had a chance to interview Debbie Antonelli uh, late last week. And if you guys haven't listened to that, make sure to go and check that out. It's available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And I asked her, I said, Debbie, you know, a lot of people in, in, in Tar Heel country have been very critical of, of Armando Baycott because he hasn't been as explosive, as dominant as we wanted him to be out of the gate. And she told me that she felt like this was a fifth-year player picking and choosing when to turn it on and when to turn it off and said that when he got to ACC season, he would be full go. She might be right. You look at what he did the other night against Pittsburgh. He had a double-double. Then he has a double-double again tonight, to this afternoon, and he was by far the best player on either end of the court. Um, was very good defensively as an anchor, protecting the rim, and then finishing at the rim on at the offensive end. And Carolina needed him to be because R.J. Davis had another subpar shooting day. You know, scored 14 points, but it was just 5 of 13 from the field. Cormac Ryan scored 10 points. All of that was in the first half. And that was the only three guys to be in double-figure scoring were, were Mondo, Davis, and Ryan. So, um, you know, th- you and I both kind of came to his defense after the Kentucky game where this fan base was was all over the big fella. Um, and his last two games, including today, he, he's turned in much-needed Big time Armando Baycott performances. Well, that's the thing. Like, look, I, I said it when we were talking about the people that were criticizing him that I got some of the criticism. I understood that he wasn't being the dominant guy that we have seen away from the Smith Center. And I don't know. I, I said it the other day. Maybe it is just that neutral site games. He he uh, he's not great at now. That's that's concerning because the tournament games are neutral site games, um, and I don't necessarily think that's the case. 
I'll tell you that that thought from Debbie Antonelli, I, that I mean, I got to be honest. That's that's kind of what I thought too. Um, but here's the thing: if he's going to turn it on now, moving forward, and maybe that was just a way of him concerning conserving some of his energy, then. Hey, that's fine. I'll take it because, yeah, the last two games, I mean, the other night, it wasn't the sheer number of rebounds. It was the offensive rebounds, the timely rebounding, the physicality that he played with, the way he protected the rim. In this game, protected the rim very well, had some timely rebounds, but it was just, I mean, that was the classic Armando Baycott game. 16 rebounds in the game total. He was the best rebounder on the floor. Nobody else was anywhere close to him. And that's the type of dominance that we've seen. And then you add in 14 points on 6 of 11 shooting. So the efficiency is starting to come back because he had some games in there that were just so rough from the field. Yeah, he wasn't scoring, and part of that was because he wasn't getting the ball enough. But when he wasn't get when he would get the ball, he still wasn't finishing inside. Where you're seeing him start to become more confident today. I mean, one of the plays early in the game, he has a possession where he gets the ball inside. It was it was early in the game because Carolina. This was right after they flashed the stat that Carolina was four of four from the field mm-hmm. to begin the game, and he gets the ball. He's not in great position. There's not really a great shot for him to throw up. So he literally just throws one off the backboard and goes and gets the rebound. And we've seen him do that before in his career here, where he knows I'm so good that I can throw the ball up, even if I'm not in a great position. As long as I throw it off the glass, I know I can rip down the rebound and be able to finish it. And that's what you saw from him. That's the type of guy that you want to see him be moving forward throughout the rest of the season for Carolina. And look, it's not going to be every game, but in these big games, a huge one against a team in Pittsburgh that had beaten you three straight times, that was running their mouth. It's one you really want. It steps up, best performance of the season. He follows that on the road against a ranked Clemson team. This is your chance to pick up you know, your most significant road victory of the season so far, clearly, because you've only played two road games, but a chance to pick up another quad one win and you get it done and you put up your best performance of the season. That's what you want to see from him. And just, you know, really quick on the overall rebounding. I mean, it was really just spread throughout the team, but there's one guy that I think really sticks out in this game that you have to compliment for the way that he rebounded. And that was Jalen Withers. He has six in this game. Which is not a huge number. Three of them on the offensive end, though. He had some timely rebounds for Carolina. And this is one of the areas we thought we would see him be better. And we challenged him to be one of those guys that stepped up. And it it still wasn't really happening for the most part, um, even here recently. Today was the type of rebounding effort that you want to see from him. If you can give us six rebounds in 11 minutes, we will definitely take that. And that's the thing. You're seeing him start to defend at a higher level. Um, he had a couple of rough rough possessions today, no doubt about it. Um, but they got him off the floor. Once he got back out there, he looked good defensively again. And then if you can pile on the rebounding on top of it, that's what Carolina was hoping they were getting when he came to campus. They were hoping they'd get a guy that could maybe – produce a little bit more on the offensive end of the floor. But if you can defend and rebound, I think Carolina would take that in a heartbeat. No, they certainly will. And, you know, he played a significant role in the win today. 
off the bench. And speaking of the bench, that's the last real takeaway. Um, you know, they outscore Clemson's bench fourteen to two. Not explosive, but the timely buckets. You look at the Wojcik three and the Tremble three. Um, mm-hmm. I think it made you know the the Wojcik three gave Carolina I think a forty eight forty five lead, mm-hmm. and the Tremble three gave Carolina a fifty one forty seven lead. Right there in the you know getting closer and closer to that five minute mark in the second half, when Carolina would eventually go on to win the game. It felt like when the bench was on the court and you needed one of those guys to make a play, they made a play today. And it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always clean. And you may have only had two dudes off the bench play double-digit minutes. But there's no denying that Hubert Davis trusts this unit more than he has his first two years. And he's going to put them on the floor. He played Zayden High for three minutes in the first half. This is the time of the year where a player like Zayden High, done. You know, we'll see you next year in November when we're playing against, you know, the Sisters of the Poor and the Children of the Blind type of schools. But Hubert Davis trusts him. And, um, you know, that was one thing we, we talked about every time we got together over the summer was can he build a rotation? Can you get deep enough? Can you play eight? Can you play nine guys when you get into ACC play? And he, and he can. You know that Trimble – Washington and Withers, for the most part, are going to get their run. Um, and I think, you know, maybe Paxton Wojcik is starting to really he, – he's going to play because, frankly, the kid plays hard. And he competes no matter how long he's yep. out there. Um, and it's really – it was fun to see them make those types of plays today because if this team is going to be the type of team we want them to be, you got to do it with the bench. And it, it, it's not the deepest bench. It's not the most explosive bench. But Carolina, for the first time, under Huber Davis, has a bench. Let's now move to our two discussion topics before we do get out of this edition of the podcast. Um, you talked about this in the preview when we were previewing the game, that if Carolina were to emerge victorious, this would be their best win of the season. Well, they emerge victorious. Do you still stand by that statement, even knowing that they've beaten a top-five team at home in Tennessee, a Tennessee team that just blitzed Ole Miss to knock them from the unranked or, 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 or from the ranks of the unbeaten, and you beat a top-ten Oklahoma team on a neutral court, the only team so far to have beaten the Sooners? Yeah, I mean, I would still stick with it just because, I mean, you look at those games. I mean, one is a pseudo-home game, and – that, that you played in Charlotte against Oklahoma. Um, and then you had the home game against Tennessee. The thing that's most impressive about this is that this is the second true road game Carolina's played all year. And this was a game that really felt primed to potentially be a game that Carolina fell in. And look, even if they had lost this game, it wasn't the end of the world for this team. I, I said this the other day to somebody that told me that they thought this was they, they had a bad feeling about this game. If you lose this game, as long as you don't you don't lose by 40, you're you're going to find a way. I mean, you're going to be perfectly fine. It would just be an early season conference loss. But for Carolina to go in there to win the game and to do it in a fashion that going in, they probably didn't think they were going to have to. I think you've got to consider it probably their most impressive win to this point because it's one that you can build on. Now 
you feel like Carolina, the, the two wins that they needed to get most, I thought, out of this. They needed to get the win at uh, Pittsburgh just to get that monkey off their back because that was a team that had just had their number. And then you felt like they needed this one to get that signature road win, a quad one win on the road. You get another chance to do it against uh, NC State. That one's going to be a real tough one midweek. But, I mean, now you've already sealed the fact that you are going to go at least 2-1 and one to start the season with the way that you've opened three straight road games. So, I mean, y- y- you got to love this one. But, yeah, I mean, number 16 team in the country. I know people are probably going to be questioning now that that team's lost back-to-back games, how good really are they? But I still think at this point, right now, that's the best win of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'm still going to go Tennessee because as a top five team at home, the best defensive team in the country, and you scored 100 on them, including 61 in the first half. But this is up there. Um, You could argue that outside of the win at Duke, Hubert Davis's first year, this is their their second best road win under Hubert Davis because you're on the road, tough place to play, a ranked team, quad one win, all that stuff on the line, and you get the job done. So, um, you know, and I said going in that I thought this was the second best team in the ACC in Clemson. Um, of course, I you know, I, I would have thought Carolina was the best. After having watched Miami and Wake Forest play today, um, you know, I think I'd probably move Clemson behind one of those teams. But this is still a really good team. And this Clemson team is still going to contend to have a double bye in the ACC tournament. And barring just, you know, some sort of collapse, this team, unless the NCAA tournament committee, you know, is just really out to leave ACC teams out of the field, this is one of the 68 best teams in college basketball, and they will be in the NCAA tournament later this March. The last thing we got to talk about is kind of what we talked about was maybe on the line going into this game, depending on what you thought of these two teams. And I referenced the, the Josh Graham tweet earlier today, and he's not the only one in the local or the national college basketball media world talking up the Tar Heels. But Carolina now sits at 11-3 and overall. Uh, they're 3-0 and in the league. They're an AP top 10 team. They should be top 10 in the net when they wake up tomorrow morning. As we sit here on January 6th, are you comfortable saying that Carolina is the best team in the ACC? Oh, no question. I mean, I don't even think it's remotely close, to be honest with you. I know um, a lot, you know, Duke has, has been playing better, but they were struggling. I, I don't know what the score of that game is right now uh but duke was struggling with notre dame and look notre dame's a team that's fighting a lot harder than i think a lot of people thought they were going to but i I mean i don't see any other team. i know wake forest is really good i saw them today i'm impressed by them and i think carolina you know they have to be prepared for that game to be a battle but I I think Carolina is the best team in the conference. I mean, especially like to me, if anybody is still questioning that, if they go and beat NC State on Wednesday night, then how are you gonna how you have an argument? Like this team was impressive in the Atta Conference. Um, they have arguably the most impressive win of anybody um, in the non-conference uh, in this conference with the win over 
Tennessee. So to me, I, I mean, this this looks like a Final Four caliber team, the way that they're playing right now. I don't think anybody else in the conference can say that. So yeah, to me, they're, they're the favorite in the ACC. They should be. Um, I think Duke is probably the second team as of right now. And I think Wake Forest is probably that third team. But I think Carolina right now is probably in in a much better spot than anybody else in the conference. And and I feel like it should in a lot of people's minds, that should be the conversation moving forward. Is anybody close to Carolina right now? Yeah, I mean, I, do I think Carolina is the best? Yes. Of all the teams that I have watched and evaluated, this is the best team. I, I think the gap is a lot closer than what you're you're talking. I think that Miami, Wake Forest, Duke are right there in the same, you know, stratosphere as Carolina. But you, they, they haven't done what Carolina has done. They haven't played six ranked teams in their first 14 games. They haven't gone four and two in those ranked matchups. They haven't beaten two top seven teams at the time, like when Carolina beat uh, or top two top ten teams at the time when they beat Oklahoma and Tennessee. That's what I think separates them is that they they're the most battle tested and they've come out you know on the other side with a lot less battle scars than what these other teams have already. Um, and it's, it's really just, it's, it's fun to watch, man. Um, because, you know, as a kid was spoiled seeing Carolina play these types of games and win these games more often than not. And when you go through the drought that we've gone through the last couple of years where, you're not winning these games, you know, you, you, you get reminded how lucky and fortunate you are. But today, man, like today is big time. Like people in ACC country will tell you there's not a bigger, better time slot than to play a road game at, at noon. There's not a bigger feel. I think us as fans, we love the night game because it means more people are watching. But from an environment standpoint, those early afternoon ACC games are the best. And to go on the road and get a win today in a game that in years past Carolina just doesn't win, um, it's a lot of fun. And, you you know, you you said it after you beat Pittsburgh. You're comfortable saying that you love this team. And and I I just don't see how, if you're a Carolina fan, how you're not in love with with this group. Like, they've reminded us why we're here. They reminded us why we're Carolina fans, why we – why we love this program and expect so much from this program because they do the three things we ask them to do. They play hard. They play smart. They play together. And I, I've said it, and I'll say it till the day that I die because I believe it. When, when Carolina does that, with the talent that they have and the coaching expertise that they have, they're going to be a tough team to beat, and that's exactly what this team is turning out to be. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast, our first live edition um, of the show. Thanks to everyone that tuned in, whether you joined us on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, Moving forward, we will be back generally on the weekends, recapping Carolina's ACC weekend opponents here uh, um, from a live video um, standpoint. Of course, we'll be knocking out the audio preview recaps throughout the week as those games come and go. In the meantime, guys, we are going to encourage you 
to visit the website. That's yieldtoughblog.com where um, the site's been booming. Um, you know, there's already a recap of the Clemson game posted for you guys. If you want to go and a little bit read a little bit more about the win over the Tigers, you can do that. Of course, I'll be back getting you ready for the game at NC State on Wednesday night. Football side of things, the regular season and the postseason has come and gone. It's strictly off season for Tar Heel football, but the news hasn't stopped. Uh, Matt Brown has hired his new defensive coordinator, Jeff Collins. Anthony has you covered on that hire, and they lost an offensive lineman to the transfer portal. Diego Pound, you can go and check out um, the impact of his loss as well. So make sure you're staying locked in, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest Carolina basketball and Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. We want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. And as always, go Tar Heels. Get any sweeter than that!